We invite our children to be dismissed now for their time of worship. And as our children depart, let us bow together and pray. As we make this journey to Bethlehem, O God, may we discover, in fact, that it's not very far. It's right here among us. So give us eyes to see and ears to hear and courage to step into the reality that is life today, guided by your eternal light. In the name of the light of the world, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. So I've been thinking with you for the last three weeks about the lights of Christmas and On one occasion, I recalled how meaningful Christmas lights were for me as a a boy and as a young man living in uh, Kettering, Ohio, suburbs of Dayton, a very kind of modest suburban uh, community, not given to much flair, not much panache going on in uh, Kettering, Ohio, except at Christmas. At Christmas, everything was uh, opened wide up and... uh, Houses were just covered with lights. Chimneys were uh, outlined in lights. Uh, House curves were were marked in lights. The bushes were covered with lights. And somehow the modest little suburbs suddenly looked like the strip of Las Vegas. It was amazing. As much as I loved it, I I, I had another memory of something that I did during my high school years. Along with my best friend Steve Norris, we... We hung out a lot, and during Christmas, we'd go to the mall like most people in those days, and we'd drive around. He had a Volkswagen Beetle that he had hooked an 8-track tape player in so we could drive around and actually listen to our music, you know, good music like Chicago and Carole King and all those oldies uh, that were newbies back then. But when we'd get bored, we had this little kind of game we'd play. We'd find a street that was completely lit up with lights. And we'd park the car on one end of the street. And he would go on one side of the street. And I would go on the other side of the street. And we would just make our way down the street from house to house. Unplugging all the Christmas lights. (laughs) Kids, don't try this, okay? It was dark at the end of that street. Darker than a black steer's took us on a moonless prairie night, as someone once said. And you may be wondering, well, why'd you do that? What would compel you to do that? What were you thinking? And I will give the universal teenage answer. I don't know. I, I don't know why we did it. It was just a dumb way of having fun and making our mark. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? That people, without thinking, do things that put out the light. That disconnect us from our source. And people act in ways that are selfish without considering the effect. And darkness, darkness finds its way back. So the psalmist writes, Lord, 
You who are enthroned upon the winged heavenly creatures, shine forth, please. We're in the darkness. Let your light shine, O God, that we may be saved. Not just for someday in heaven. I'm talking about right now, here, in this world, in these relationships, in these interactions. And so Matthew frames the story of the birth of Jesus in its geopolitical situation. He tells us quickly about Herod, about the empire, about how darkness has swept over the land, that a darkness that is easily threatened, a darkness that is ruthless, as we'll find out when the magi, the wise men, make their way to King Herod. In fact, if we were to be able to find a newspaper from January or December 26th, say the, the Bethlehem Journal, and look at the headlines, we would see focus on all of the darkness in the world. Caesar, up in Rome, doing things that help the rich but bring down the poor. All powerful, controlling our destinies, making appointments and and doing things that seem to us to be out of keeping with the character and the nature of God, changing the rules to exploit the poor and benefit the rich, ignoring the best and most intelligent advice, and just frankly going rogue. And so today, we find ourselves in a world that is largely covered in darkness, just as our front lawn is covered in crosses representing the lives of women and men, boys and girls who were killed by an act of violence, just as our lawn is covered with these crosses, so the world seems to be covered in this darkness. Wars, refugees, trying to find a place where they can just live, where they can just put their kids down, put their kids to bed in safety. Over half of Americans today feeling anxious and fearful and sometimes even angry. Sometimes it makes me think the most honest Christmas carol there is, is I've heard, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. You remember the, the verse that says, Then in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It gets dark. And that darkness, it, it affects us. I visit this man in jail. I've been visiting him for a year and a half. And in the course of a year and a half, he has never seen the light of day. He's never seen or felt the sunshine on his body. And in a year and a half, I've watched his body change. His skin is practically opaque. You can see his veins through his skin. He's so white. It's it's the truth that we weren't made to live without light. The world needs light. But we gather in this place each week to remind ourselves that we live by another story. There's another narrative. It's a story about light that doesn't get unplugged by dumb teenagers, a light that's not even extinguished by emperors. It's the light of God. It's sacred light. It's not just religious talk, it's reality. 
that there is a spirit and an energy of light and love which wants to break forth into this world. It's the very same light that brought creation out of chaos. It's a light that illumines. In other words, it reveals. It helps us see things that we haven't seen before. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. Things we notice about ourselves that we didn't notice before that are good. Things we notice about ourselves, like for many of us, are white privilege. That we never noticed before, but now we see it. And we're grateful to see it. This light, it illumines, it warms, it guides, it nurtures, it grows us. You might say it's the light that makes us human. It gives us that sort of spiritual melatonin we need to awaken us and kindle in us a sense that there is more to life than darkness. There is God. And this God is living in each and every human person. In you, this light is alive in you, and you know it, and you feel it. You feel it when the light is absent. And each one of you have had those moments when you felt that light, that sacred light. Maybe you didn't use the word God. Maybe you don't believe in God. But you believe or you experience this love, this light. And you feel connected and you, you have this sense of wonder. It comes always as a surprise. It's a surprise. We can be looking for it and we'll miss it because it comes always as surprise. Even if you had that Bethlehem journal from many, many years ago, where the national news is all about Caesar, even if you got to the local section of that newspaper, you would find stories about how all the inns were filled in Bethlehem that day, how there were long lines at the tax collector's office, how the city council was probably worried about different road bonds. Oh, yeah, and a human interest story. A family from out of town had a baby. who was born in in the barn behind the inn. In other words... The sacred light is given to us in subtle and modest and ordinary ways. For many years, we've had a a print of a painting in our home by a Flemish artist named Peter Bruegel. I don't know why we bought it, really, because it's not that beautiful of a painting. The colors are kind of drab, mostly browns and grays, but it's a picture of a Flemish village. It's a whole scene. There's a frozen pond. There are children playing on the pond. There are children elsewhere playing with the top. There are people plowing fields off in the background. In the foreground, you see a whole group of people gathered at the end. They're lined up to to come up to a desk where a man is sitting, obviously taking records. And you realize, oh, the the, the name of the painting is called Numbering at Bethlehem. Oh, they're lining up. So you look a little further. You see a man uh, slaughtering a pig. You see women talking over the fence. And then you notice in the right-hand corner, there's a man leading a donkey. In his belt, you see a saw has been attached. He's a carpenter. And on the donkey is 
a woman heavy with child. Unless you're looking, you can't find it. It's like, where's Waldo? But when you see it, you recognize it. And you know it. And you realize it's about to change the whole scene, the whole world in which we live. This is a Christmas story. The Christmas story is about how this gift of sacred light comes not from the top down, but from the bottom up. How God uses ordinary people, like our text today, where Joseph, an ordinary man, is invited to look beyond the the traditional boundaries, the rules, the regulations, the requirements, all the things that, that we would normally do. Take Mary as your wife, the voice says. And he says, yes, I'm willing. Just an ordinary man. An ordinary woman like Mary, probably a a teenager at the time, who says, yes, I'm willing to be impregnated with the hope of God and allow my body, my very life, to bear it into the world. This is how God does the sacred work. It always comes through people just like you and me. And when we get it, when we see it, we're, we're awakened. Mary, Mary breaks out in song when she finds out. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord because God has called me to be the bearer of this light. Where the rich will be brought down, the poor will be lifted up. That God will scatter the the rich in the, the thoughts of their mind and the poor will be filled up with good things. Bill Leonard said this song of Mary is half praise chorus, half socioeconomic manifesto that calls us to this work of love. And he says you really can't sing the praise stuff unless you also sing about the manifesto. You can't really be about the work of God unless you see all that the light reveals. That the world isn't as it should be. That God has a new dream in mind and that God is going to bring this dream to bear through the light that comes through Joseph and Mary and you. For finally, you are the light's of Christmas. You are the bearer of this truthful speech. You're the bearer of this hope. You're the bearer of this abundant, extravagant, inclusive love that is the gospel that Jesus comes to bring. And so, we are the church. Occasionally, the church marches into Rome and announces truth to power. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we do a public witness. We, we put crosses on the lawn in memory of people killed by an act of violence. But mostly what we do, what we do first, is we find the capacity to bear the light into the world in our ordinary, everyday lives. We love our children. We give our children gifts, not, not just toys, We give them wisdom. We give them values. And we give them the permission 
to stand on our shoulders and see farther over the horizon than we're able to see from where we stand. And we love our parents. They may have been flawed. They may have been finite. But they put us up on their shoulders. And they invited us to see farther than they could see. And we give them thanks. We love them. We love strangers. We love neighbors. We recognize that that Christmas isn't all about us. So we find those people who don't have someone to celebrate Christmas with. And we give them gifts. Because that's what Christmas is about. We love strangers, so we we take in the Congolese family and we go the extra mile because that's what love does. And then finally, we love even our enemies. We find ways to orient ourselves in love and look, look for those common ground moments where we can begin to build something that is good and just and right. We plug into this light and we become, we become the very light of Christmas. We experience the power of the sacred light and we bask in it. We bask in it. And then we let our light shine. John said it this way. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never, never overcome it. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Eternal light, take our finite lives, take this finite church, and instill us with your infinite light. To your glory now and always, we pray. Amen.